today. And the title of the message is Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. Now, last week we began to look at a, a message on the, as we think or as we speak, so we shall be in the power of thoughts. And I ended with this, this thought. Are we at base level, deep in the depths of our being, do we consider ourselves to be lovable or unlovable? Now, I want to just do an experiment with all of you, if you wouldn't mind. I'm not going to ask you if you think you're lovable or unlovable. What I'm going to ask you to do is turn to the person on either side of you and say, you're the apple of his eye. Now make sure you capture eye contact. Make sure they hear you say it. Some of you are just going, you're the apple of his eye. Okay, now look at that person in the eye again. And slowly, you are the apple of his eye. Now again, but I'm his favorite. Go on, and again, but I'm his favorite. Now I wanted to say that to you, but I thought some of you might get offended. You're the apple of his eye, but I'm his favorite. But it's funny, isn't it, when you begin to talk like that, what, I'm the apple of God's eye, what? And how, can you, how dare you say that you're his favorite? You know, I'm sure John, the beloved disciple, was Jesus' favorite. That's why it's recorded forever in history that John was the beloved disciple. But John was the one who said that about himself. If ever you go read the Bible, the one who called himself the beloved apostle was John. Matthew didn't call John the beloved disciple. John, Mark didn't call Matthew, uh, John the beloved disciple. Peter certainly didn't call John the beloved disciple. But it was something that John carried and something that he knew about himself, that he was much loved by God. And I wonder if you know about yourself that you are much loved by God on a very deep level. Because I believe genuinely that if we are flowing in this thing that uh, Colin, our senior minister, has been talking about with regards to going deeper with God, we need to grow in this revelation that we are much loved by God. Actually, your ability to soar in the, in the things of the Spirit, to fly with the words of God over your life, very much requires that you have an accurate understanding of who you are in the kingdom of God. Not that you have an inflated, self-important, arrogant image, but rather that you know that you know that God loves you. Now, I want to begin with this, that self-esteem or this whole issue of how we view or hold ourselves or the, the things that we would attribute to ourselves is as much a man issue as it is a woman issue. Can I just ask you to close that curtain over there, please? If there's a string in front of you. That'd be great. Um, just because I can see some of you are getting blinded. It's as much a man issue as it is a woman issue. Sometimes guys just are like, oh, well, people with low self-esteem, you know, we leave that to the ladies. Us guys, we're strong. We've got it all figured out, you know, who me? But the reality is that guys as often will struggle with deep issues of the heart of knowing, understanding their significance, their self-worth, their security, their ability to contribute just as much as their, our sisters. And one of the challenges is begin to actually identify that. For me, back in the day, I, I, I was in a situation where I got beaten up by three people. And so my view was, in order for me to become secure and strong, to be a per person of significant, significance again, I have to start working out. And so I worked out four times a week in the gym and 
grew from being a 12 and a half stone skinny guy to being a 16 stone mountain at the time. Now it's just a 16 stone ministry. But that was in order to co compensate, to, to step into a place where I thought I'm significant in this world now. And I flipped it on its head, and instead of me getting beaten up by three people, I would go beat three people up. It became crazy. And so it's important that we understand that it affects, these issues affect both men and women, perhaps in different ways. But essentially, they are to do with fears which are grounded in the depth of our being, the way that we perceive ourselves. And those fears that are in the, in the depths of our being begin to direct and influence the way that we interact with the world around us. Now, there are many messages out there about how we are made in the image of God. And, and you can go away and listen to those as a compliment to this message. Um, many of them will be on our Kensington Temple website. Um, the issue is that God, when he made us, he looked at us and saw that we were good. But our perception has been corrupted, so we say, no, it's not. We're not good. Something wrong with us. Something deep down is wrong with us, and that's why we are unlovable, unacceptable. And that lie, because it is a lie, is very destructive. Because it comes and attacks the basis of our understanding of our significance, our security, our self-worth. And it can lead us to breaking and wrecking relationships left, right, and center because we believe a lie about ourselves that is not true. When you believe that lie, it can prevent true intimacy with other people. It can shade every positive communication you ever hear. How many of you would identify with when you've attempted to minister to someone and say, you're actually really beautiful, and they go, no, I'm not. And they believe it with all of that. It's not that they're being um, humble or just trying to brush it off. It, they believe it. No, I'm not. And you look at them and you're like, what the heaven? How do you not see it? <laughs> the goal of my message today is to lead us away from the wrong relationships and the bad decisions we make because of a, so, a poor self-image, to lead us to a place where we understand that beauty is far beyond the physical appearance of a person. The, it's beauty that is placed on the inside as much as on the outside, to begin to see you as God sees you. And it's really important that we begin to understand that the world's image of beauty is a false image of beauty. How many of you have seen the adverts or the Dove commercial of a, an ordinary lady made to look like she was a supermodel? Do you know how they did it? Photoshop. I, I, I thought about, long and hard, about whether we should get before and after pictures of celebrities on the wall, because when you see some of them without makeup and when you see some of them straight away with makeup, you begin to see that the world is presenting a very false image of what beauty is. Actually, there's this uh, crazy video, which I wouldn't show in church, of a, a gentleman who is tattooed from head to toe. He's got the Guinness World Record for the number of tattoos on his body. Yet they are able to take makeup and cover it up so much so that he looks like he has normal skin. And the video is in reverse, the process of them putting the, the makeup on. And you see this guy, he's got very demonic tattoos all over himself. That's why I wouldn't show it. But you see how much makeup can cover the real image of a person underneath. And I didn't want to put up those pictures because, A, I don't believe in, in, the, in the principle of embarrassing people, but secondly, because I don't believe in us propagating the idea of comparing people. This is the issue, is that we begin to compare ourselves with one another. Are we better looking, less better looking? Are we stronger, weaker? Are we earning more, earning less? Do we have a bigger brain, smaller brain? Are we more emotionally relational? And it begins to develop, we begin to develop a hierarchy which is not 
healthy. The world and the image that the world presents is not what God calls us to achieve or, attain, or to attain to. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we are not inspiring you to become the most beauty, the most beautiful, the most successful uh, presenter or the, most, the richest person in your environment. That's not what we are here to extol. We're here to challenge you to consider who God sees you to be. Now, self-esteem, it's important that we understand, actually doesn't depend on how we look. Just like a billionaire, being a billionaire doesn't cause you to be automatically happy. See, most people spend half their life wishing they could be that rich, but the people that are that rich spend all of their life hoping that no one's going to steal their money and planning ways for them not to steal their money. They end up more unhappy than the people who have less. You could also consider some of the most beautiful people in the world or the most beautiful people in your friendship sphere who have the weakest view of themselves. They're always wondering about whether people are talking about them behind their back and what they're saying. And, you know, they can only be the most beautiful if they steal other people's boyfriends and, or other people's girlfriends in order to prove that they are on top of the hierarchy. They're grading themselves. And if you follow that principle, you're grading yourself according to a false image. There is a different image that God has presented and declared over your life. And I want to say to you from the start that self-esteem issues find their root in sin. We respond, we develop our self-image based upon other people's perception of us. And so if somebody comes and sins against us, and we then take on that identity that they've given to us, then we are identifying with sin, either our own or theirs. And if you don't deal with a sin issue, then you're unable to begin to walk free in these self-esteem areas. As long as you can be tied to the sin, you are brought, uh, that image of who they say you are is brought to mind every single time that situation occurs. Now, let me give you some examples. It might be that you were never taken seriously in, in the home or in the school or in the office. You're always passed over. Your opinions don't count is, is what the message seems to be to you. And so your, your constant thought or belief about yourself is, I have nothing important to say. Or maybe you're deprived of love in the home environment. Maybe you've never known a hug or a word of affirmation or no one's ever bought you a gift or no one's ever spent that quality time with you that you desired. And that's led to a certain perception of yourself, maybe that you're not worthy of these things. Perhaps you've been a victim of bullying. Perhaps you've been called names. Perhaps it's been more serious. Perhaps you've been involved in psychological or physical abuse or even rape or things of that sort of a nature. And the issue is when you begin to identify with those lies that are spoken about you, you begin to clothe yourself in a low self-esteem position, clothe yourself in rejection, clothe yourself in separation from people. And that's not God's intent. God doesn't want you lost there. He wants you to begin to grow out of those places and bring you into a place of freedom. Now, I wish I could hear the thoughts of all of your minds right now because I would be able to speak back to you about some of the things that you're thinking. But there's one thing that I can say to you. It's that God has forgiven you. So many people find it very easy to understand God's forgiven them, 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 them. But when it comes to actually God has forgiven you. Yeah, but I was, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, it's my fault. You know, I shouldn't have said the things that I said. It was my fault. I shouldn't have annoyed them. Them hitting me was a, a justifiable action because 
it's my fault. But I want to say to you from the start that you can be forgiven and indeed are forgiven by God. And the key to walking in a healthy self-image is more than just receiving the, the words that God will drop into your heart, though they are so wonderful, those individual uh, moments and time when you just say, God, that was you, that was so awesome, but rather on a deeper level, knowing the identity that he's given you. When you flow from identity, all of those words begin to make sense. When you don't flow from identity, those words feel like they belong to somebody else. And the issue is that God has called you not guilty. Say it to yourself, I'm not guilty. Now say it with a bit of conviction. Anyone want to say it louder than that? Hallelujah. Now when you begin to know that you're not guilty, that leads you to a place where your mind can be renewed according to the goodness of God. The forgiveness that he's given you the fact that you're not guilty, you can then begin to extend to those people that have sought to give you an image or an identity that does not belong to you. I want to ask you, what does God think about you? All of you have your Bibles, yes? If you don't have your hard copy Bibles, then you have your iPads, your iPhones, your Android phones, your whatever it might be with a Bible on it. Get them out. No texting. Turn with me to Psalm 139. Now, this is perhaps the verse you'd always expect me to turn to, and that's why we're here. But I really want to just begin to drive this home for us. And we're going to spend a few minutes with the Lord. And I want to read this verse for you, and then you're going to read it for yourself. And I want you to begin to ask the Lord to show you what He thinks about you. Psalm 139, verse 5. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot contain, uh, attain it. Verse 13 through 18, for you have formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious are your thoughts towards me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, then they would be more in number than the sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. I want you to just spend two or three minutes with the Lord and just go over that verse, those verses and just begin to ask him to highlight them to you as you go along. For example, that one just spoke to me very clearly and my soul knows very well that your works are marvelous. You are a marvelous work of the Lord. Maybe you need to know that God has known every single day that you would live from before time. Maybe you need to know that God planned your birth if you felt like you're an accident. God knew that you were here to be here. God made sure you happened. So even if your parents did it by accident, God intended you to be here today. God is interested in all of your situation and circumstance. He is behind you and before you. His hand is with you. For David, that was too wonderful for him to even begin to comprehend. But it's important that we know that God is with us. So spend a few minutes, read through those verses and just say, Lord, help me see myself as you see me.
Father, I just ask that by your spirit, you'd be speaking to your people this afternoon. And Lord, where there are thoughts that are rising in their head and in their hearts that disagree with what is said in your word, Lord, that they would be able to surrender them to you and receive and exchange your word for them. Lord, I thank you that nobody is here by mistake. I thank you that everybody is here because you've purposed it and because you desire to know them. You desire that they would be here in this earth and that they would know you. So Lord, we ask by your spirit that you'd begin to stir us, help us to leave behind the things of old, the thought patterns and the thought constructs that are not glorifying to you. And Lord Jesus, that we'd be able to go deeper with you, Father. Lord, that you transform the image that we hold of ourselves, that we'd be able to, like David, say, I am your work. I am a marvelous work of yours, Father, and I know it very well. And that we would give God thanks for the work that he's done in us. We recognize that God's involvement in our lives is for his glory, for his name to be praised, and that he delights in knowing us. Transform our minds by your spirit, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Now, you might say, why are we even beginning to worry about this or, what, or talk about such things in church? You know, self-esteem, that's something that they're talking about in the world. You know, we just need to study the Word of God. But this has so much to do with our perception and our reading of the Word of God. When we know who we are in Christ, then we are able to take on board and walk with, in a deeper way, the truths of Scripture. We need to worry about this because, or address this rather than worry. I don't believe in worry. Address this because it's about our general well-being and enjoying our life from day to day as we walk with the Lord, the life of abundance that Colin was speaking about this morning. We need to consider this because God is calling us as a people to form deep relationships with Him and with one another. How is that possible when we don't open up or believe that we have anything to bring to somebody else's life? It's important so that we begin to consider the, the decisions that we are making and that we would make whole decisions from a place of wholeness in our hearts. It's so essential that we truly understand who God calls us so that we can be effective for Him and for His glory. And I want to take an example for the men, an example for the lady, ladies, just to begin to personalize this for us. For the men, I want to take a, a story of a man uh, called, king, uh, called Saul, who became king of Israel. And I want to just put this in context. This is Saul having been king for at least 25 years, maybe as many as 30 years, when this situation happens. And it happens that Samuel gives a direct instruction to Saul about a specific battle that he's going to have to go into with the Amalekites. And we'll kind of steer away a little bit. We're not going down the whole war side of things, but the, the, the aftermath is that Saul has destroyed the people who had sinned against the people of Israel, as was commanded by the Lord, and we can understand that. If we don't understand that now, we can understand it in a different context as we study it. But he had been also asked to destroy all of the belongings of those people. And yet Saul made a decision that he wasn't going to do so. And Samuel is sent by God to come and address Saul. Saul, why have you not been obedient to the call of God on your life? Why have you not done what God asked you to do? Now, this is specific to a king. This was in the current, in the season at the time that they were having to fight for their territories in order to survive. 
And here it says in 1 Samuel 15, round about verse 16, Samuel now addressing Saul says, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? And the Lord has sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? The very last verse, 26, but Samuel said to Saul, a message from the Lord, I will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Saul was made king. He was called as a king to make kingly decisions. And as he was the first king of Israel, he was called to set a different example of what kingship was as opposed to the example of those other kings around. What kings used to do is destroy people and take all of their goods for plunder. And yet here in this context, he was called by the Lord, commanded by the Lord, not to keep back any of the wealth for himself. But Paul, uh, Saul considered that his wealth, or was concerned more about his wealth than he was about obedience to God. This flowed out of a bad view of himself. Here it says, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? God is saying to him, I made you head of the tribes. I made you king. I made you the first king. And yet you still thought yourself little. You see what's happening. He has an incorrect view of himself, a, a view that is not derived from who God said he is. And did not the Lord anoint you king over all of Israel? God had anointed him. God had called him. God had given him his identity and his position as a king. And yet he still had a small view of himself which led him to make bad decisions. So much so that this bad decision ended up in his kingdom being stripped from him. Oh, that's a bit mean. You know, why did God judge Saul so harshly? Because for 25 years, 30 years, he'd walked in this era of believing who he was a misunderstanding of who he was. And he did go on a further 12 to 17 years as king. But he did it without the anointing. He did it without the call of God upon his life. Let's bring this to a, a today example. To the man who, whose identity is so tied up in what he does, in his profession, in his job. To the man who makes compromises in order to get rich and then justifies it. There should be conviction on you right now. Not conviction of sin, but conviction that you're more righteous than that. For you to go ahead and make compromises in order to get to the top of the pile is sin. You are more righteous than that. You might be thinking, you know what, I just want to be in banking, or I just want to be in this big, you know, big salary work field just for five, ten years, get enough money, buy a house, settle down, and then I'm out. And whatever it takes in order to get that money, in order to, to build that uh, reputation, to draw in the finance, to perhaps have to rip people off, well, I don't mind because I'm just here for five or ten years, and then I'm out. But you see, the problem with that small thinking, trying to get rich quick, is maybe God had a call on you to run the company. 
but no integrity. Maybe God had a call on you to start your own company that grew bigger than that company. No integrity. No identity. The correct view of yourself is not there and you're compromised. This is why I give guys a really hard time in my cell group about getting to self. Because I know if you're not prioritizing being at self, you're not prioritizing your time with the Lord. It's simple. Work can easily creep. And 7 o'clock starts become 6.30 starts become 5.30 starts and you finish at 12 and where's your time with the Lord? If you knew who you were, then you wouldn't worry about the money. You'd worry about pleasing God who put you in the right place for the call of God on your life. Ladies, this issue of self-esteem. Do not let your adornment be merely outward in 1 Peter 3, 3 through 6. Arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. Rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. But, you know, no one's paying attention to me right now. I just want everybody to know that I'm beautiful or somebody to come and say that I'm beautiful. Why are you talking about this inner heart stuff? If they don't even recognize the beauty on the outside, it doesn't matter. If they're not even asking me out for coffee, it doesn't matter. What about my heart? You know, how are they going to get to know my heart when they're not attracted to me on the outside? You don't need everybody to know that you're beautiful. You just need God to know that you're beautiful and the one person that counts in your life to know that you're beautiful. You just need that one person who looks for the hidden person of the heart. And you're called to keep that for the person in your life, the one in your life. It's not for anybody else but them. You know, just that's not been some of your experience. I understand that. And maybe you find that you're in a place of bitterness right now. But you've got to stop holding on to those things. They are the error of past wrong relationships or putting your hopes in the wrong thing. See, your external beauty, even if you're the most beautiful woman in this room, is only a fraction of the gold that God has placed on the inside of you. And there's only one person that needs to know about that aside from the Lord, and that's your husband. And that's all you need to worry about. Stop worrying about whether so-and-so, so-and-so thinks you're attractive. If they're not your husband, they don't even need to look at you in that kind of a way. The challenge really of this message is speaking to this question. What if people really knew me? Have any of you asked that question of yourself? What if somebody really knew you? Perhaps the harshest critic of all is you of yourself. If you could change that, if you can change your view of yourself according to who God says you are, then everyone else can change their view as well. Because when you begin to agree with who God says you are, then they'll begin to see it in you and identify what God's, who God says you are as they look at you. How do we begin to develop this healthy self-image? We are moving more in the direction of that now for the remainder of the message. The truest measure of beauty in my thinking is this, is the depth to which somebody can love you where you are most unlovable. God, while you are still an enemy with him, 
considered you lovable. That should be the measure of beauty. How much God can love you when you are still furthest from him. And the response accordingly. Because if God can so love us, then can we not begin to renovate or renew the thinking that we have towards ourselves? I would suggest that the route to change is this. Number one, identify the lie that you are believing right now. The self-fulfilling prophecy that you are speaking over and over over your life and the things that you're thinking over and over which are leading to the destruction of relationship. Maybe you are one of these people that goes from relationship to relationship because you want to break it up before that person breaks it up with you because there's something perceived to be wrong with you. Instead of learning to give a gift of trust and learning to know that you are trustworthy. Identify the lie and begin to reject that lie, begin to reject the accusation and seek what God says about you. That's why we spent that time in Psalm 139 earlier. Agree with what the Father says about you. And then begin to declare it. We began with, I am the apple of his eye. Speak who God says you are over you regularly. Because you've heard so much junk over the course of your life, you need to hear God's word over your life. You need to hear what he says because it's holy life bringing. And fourthly, start to let the loved ones in your life affirm you. Sometimes you get so rejected and so hurt that people come along and they try to help. I want to ask you to let them speak words of life to you. Because it's the enemy and his deception which is keeping you in pain and bondage, not the friend who is, well, it's the enemy who's deceived you that's keeping you in bondage. They're your enemy. Not the friend who's coming to try and affirm you. Not the friend who's trying to come and lift your spirits. There's a call to embrace the higher ways of thinking concerning you. Your painful experience, which has caused you to develop all sorts of defense mechanisms, need to be left behind so that you can step into the call of God on your life. Who he says you are. And I also wanted to address this for those of you who have negative friends in your life, people with a low self-image or low self-esteem. What can you do to help them? The first is you can be a friend who is consistent. You know, one of the most important things to people who, who are hurting and feel isolated is to know that somebody is going to be there no matter what. Now, that doesn't mean you have to get dragged into being there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But it means that you are consistent. If you commit to Fridays to go for a coffee or a lemonade on a regular basis, then you do that. You're always there. You're consistent. You are in a place, providing an environment which is calling them to a higher place. Take the time to affirm. Some people are very reticent to say anything. Oh, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to cause them to have too big a head. Have you seen how small their head is? <laughs> have you seen how badly they're thinking about themselves? They need affirmation, but the right kind of affirmation. And begin to exercise forgiveness. See, hurting people hurt people. It's one of those funny things. When they're hurt on the inside, they will hurt you first before you hurt them. But what you need to do is to practice forgiveness. Because in practicing forgiveness, you begin to demonstrate to that person that they are lovable. In practicing extending words of affirmation, you are demonstrating to them that they are lovable. In giving them time, you're demonstrating to them that they are lovable. And your efforts along with the Lord's efforts 
will bring about a transformation, a renewing of mind where they begin to see the place that he's prepared for them in this world and in this life. Let's bring it into summary before we step into a ministry time. You are made in the image and glory of God. God has stamped his image on every single one of you. Don't believe what the world tells you you are. Believe who God says you are. Reject the lies that are spoken over you and rather receive his word over your life. And in that, you'll begin to see a different view that you are indeed fearfully and wonderfully made. I would like us to spend some time in prayer now. There are three major areas that I believe the Lord wants to deal with us on. There is no one exempt in this room for these three prayers. The first is, for those of you who have not had self-esteem issues, but you have destroyed somebody else's self-esteem. And that's many of you here. There's a repentance from the words that you've spoken over somebody's life needed. Where you have destroyed somebody else's perception of themselves, you're stupid, you're good for nothing, you're worthless, da-da-da-da. I want us to spend some time repenting if we've been involved in that. Second is to reject the negative words if you're somebody that has received negative words to reject those negative words over your life. And the third for all of us, I'm sure we need more of this, is to ask God to show us who he says we are. So for those that have destroyed someone else's self-esteem, to repent. For those who have low self-esteem, to reject the lies. And for all of us to begin to ask God for a revelation of who he says we are. Now, if any one of those apply to you, I'd like for you to just stand to your feet as an act of stepping into what we're going to be praying about right now. Hallelujah. If none of them apply, then stay seated. The first that we're going to pray about is for those that need to ask the Lord for forgiveness for foolish words that have wounded somebody else and their perception of themselves to begin to ask God for forgiveness. So just start to pray right where you're at. Jesus. Father, we just begin to bring to mind and lift up those people that we have spoken to in the past and the words that we've spoken over their lives, the words that have brought death instead of life, the words that have brought destruction instead of hope. Lord, we remember them, Father, in order to ask for your forgiveness. Not to bring ourselves under condemnation, but rather to step increasingly into your freedom and to release them into their freedom. Just right where you are, just start to say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I said X, Y, Z to so-and-so, and I ask for your forgiveness. And I cancel that negative word over their life, and I speak blessing and abundance over them. And I, if it's correct for you to do so, ask the Lord for an opportunity to correct what you've said to them might not be appropriate depending on your relationship status with them, but for those that you can to begin to restore relationship. Father, we ask, Lord, that you'd just begin to move upon your people, Lord, in such a way, Lord, that they would know the forgiveness that you've given, but Lord, that they would also know the consequence of the words they've said. And Lord, that they would begin to speak life instead of speaking death, to speak hope instead of speaking destruction. And Lord, I pray, Father, that you'd forgive us, Lord, where we have spoken words which have destroyed somebody else's view of themselves. Lord, that you would forgive us where we have decried a child of God 
and given them a vision of themselves that was not of you. Father, we ask for your forgiveness. Just start to ask the Lord for his forgiveness to be wrought in your life this afternoon. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Next, we're gonna just spend some time rejecting the negative words that we've believed, the, the lies that we've accepted. Just rejecting them so that we can ask the Lord to show us who he says we are. So just spend some time Lord, that lie that I've believed about myself, that I was ugly or good for nothing or worthless or I had bad hair or whatever it might be, Lord, that we would just begin to bring that before you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, lift your people up this afternoon, Lord God, as they begin to do business, Lord, and I ask by your Holy Spirit that you'd bring to memory, Lord, the the thoughts that they've had, the the, thoughts. beliefs that they've had based on lies that other people have spoken over them and the the places that has led them to, the places of destruction perhaps or feelings of worthlessness, Lord. And Lord, I ask, Father, that you just begin to speak to your people the truth about who they are as they actively reject those lies spoken over their lives. Just right where you are, just say, I reject that lie. I reject the lie that I'm, whatever it might be, I reject this lie in the name of Jesus. I reject it and renounce its effects off of my life I reject it and renounce its destruction off of my life in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I reach out to you and I ask you for your truth over my life. I ask you for your word over my life in the name of Jesus. Father, I just lift up your people today, Lord. Lord, I ask that in this time and in the moments they spend at home in prayer, Lord Jesus, that you'd begin to reveal to them, Father, who you say they are. That you begin to reveal to them the heart that you carry for them, the word that you've spoken over their lives, the goodness that you see on the inside of them, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you just begin to draw out to the surface in this time of repentance and rejecting lies, Lord. You begin to draw out to the surface the gold that you've placed on the inside of us. Lord, that we would be able to bring you glory, that we would be able to operate in our destiny because we agree with who you say we are, that we would begin to flow with the Spirit as we begin to recognize that we have a right to be in your kingdom, a right to flow with you as is given by you, not one that we've demanded, but one that has been given by you and by your Spirit, by the work of your Son upon the cross. Lord, we thank you for the work you accomplish in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise offering this evening, afternoon. Turn to your neighbor, I'm still the apple of his eye, and you're still his favorite. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being with us here today. There's a team out here at the front, a welcome team if you're new to the church, especially if you're a student and you've come to study here in London, we'd love to hear from you, so do come forward and say hi. Do remember to take these home and read up more information on everything happening through the KT Giving Portfolio. Bruce is going to be with us at the five o'clock for a time on the rewards of the Lord, what is prepared for us in heaven by the Lord. Thank you so much. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your Sundays. See you soon.